0: Yeah. My beautiful people, are you home by yourself, self corner and teeming? Are you looking for some love? Well, slide on over to Joe's Shrimp Shack. Oh, yeah. He's got some hard goods out
1: there, 15% off. Promo code Aquarium Guys at Checkout. Yeah. He's got the dual sponge filters, double headed sponge filters. Six inch cholo wood. Cholo wood by the inch. And even almond leaves to cover up yourself, Jimmy. Yeah. JoeShrimpShack.com. All your hard goods.
0: Yeah. If you're
1: home by yourself watching the HBO or Skinamax, just, just stop. Just just stop. JoeShrimpShack.com is all you need. Yeah. Also, don't forget about our sexy boys at the Ohio Fish Rescue big rich and josh find them on youtube for all that delicious video footage yeah and don't forget they may need your donations send them some love all the love from the love doctor here live in studio b joe shrimpshack let's kick that sexy
2: podcast Welcome to the Aquarium Guys Podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This week has been so treacherous and doomsday for me. I, I feel bad for all the corona jokes that I made in the past because suddenly this got real. At first you feel like it's some sort of SARS deal where it's, you know, it's not really going to affect us. It's scary, but, and now like schools are on lockdown, everything else. So, you know, listen to podcasts. That's all we're saying. Take some time, stay in and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, try to entertain you the best, but be safe. This is, uh, this is a big deal. So wash your hands, wash, wash your hands, wash your hands. Well, I'm your host, Robbie Olson. Hey, I'm Jim Colby and I'm Adam Elnishar. Welcome to the expose that is this amazing podcast now today our guest is uh a famous fish tuber world famous for those that don't know what fish tubers are they are youtubers that focus on fish and the tropical hobby you look confused that's why i was saying this jimmy
0: what i why am i why are the old man jokes already starting He's, i just i look confused i've had a rough week and i need to pick on something. have you ever thought maybe i just look drunk i don't know maybe i could be drunk you don't know I'm th- still drunk from the concert. I tell you, after all this news this week about the coronavirus and stuff, I feel like I should be drunk. I tell you, I feel bad for everybody. Oh, oh. you mean the boomer remover? Oh, oh no. no! Don't start no. that. No. <laughs> no, Adam. Oh, now God. you're now you're on another watch list. I just apologize,
2: No, you're gonna have to apologize next episode. <laughs> Anyways, our our wonderful guest today is from the YouTube channel Simply Beta. Uh, welcome, Taylor, to the podcast. How are you doing today?
3: Thanks, guys. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
2: We tried uh, a couple weeks ago, and, you know, you got a sudden flu, and now everything's uh, better. I even got over a sickness in that amount of time as well.
0: Yeah, that we were going to try this last night, and then uh, Rob's unfortunately had a death in the family and stuff, so he was out of town. This is fantastic. We finally all got together on the same page here.
2: I put on so many miles. It was incredible. I drove through Minnesota all the way through North Dakota all the way to the Montana border. So I'm very happy to be home.
4: Is there even people that way?
2: There really isn't. Uh, For those that have never (laughs) been to North Dakota, imagine a piece of paper. There's a couple hills for overpasses. That's about it.
0: And truthfully, this is God's gospel here. You get on the other side of Bismarck, North Dakota, and you know how you see advertising signs along the highway? It says, no service at this exit, meaning they don't have a restroom, they don't have gasoline, they don't have anything. I mean, it's just a turnoff to go off into the country. In Bismarck, North Dakota, you have to stop and fuel up, and basically, it's a 100-mile drive before you see another gas station.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's X miles. They even put the sign up, and it was a very boring car trip, but glad we're glad we're back. But no, happy to have you, uh, Taylor, on the podcast, and of course, today's episode is going to be all about
0: betas. Betas, yes.
2: We've been, since like episode five, we've been like, oh, we need a beta podcast, and we've been trying to do our homework, find the perfect person, and really, who better than the entire YouTube channel being dedicated to the beta hobby?
3: So, I might be a little bit obsessed, just a little bit, tiny bit. Thanks for having me.
0: We all are obsessed. So, are those your words? Are okay. are those your husband's words that you're obsessed? I mean, is this um, everybody? well,
3: I guess they're my husband's word first, but <laughs> I, I've come to just agree with him and acknowledge my my strange obsessions with weird things. And that is, I'm weird. okay with it.
0: And that's why she's on well, this podcast. It's more
3: than just betas, it's more than just that. That interests me. Um, betas are just one of my outlets. <laughs>
2: Before we dive uh, into the podcast, we're going to go over some of our notes for uh, cleanup. <laughs> we got a couple emails since we last talked, and I want to give a shout out. I got a message from Rob. I'm not going to use his last name. I was about to, I just I stopped myself. Stop you see yourself. that, Jimmy? So Rob, one of our dear uh, uh, fans, and he's actually got a Kickstarter campaign that's been uh, going for a little while now. I had to check up the status. He messaged me a, a bit ago, but he actually picked up on our Reef Pie episode. Oh, sweet. We talked about aquarium automation. And he made his own uh, controller as well to add on to the ReefPi software. So we'll have it in the show notes to certainly check out. But Robo Tank DIY Aquarium Controller. That's
0: fantastic. what's that all about? That you sounds know? amazing. Yeah, I, I like the name of it. I hope.
2: Well, it... there's just continual strides using that uh, ReefPi software mm-hmm. to automate everything in your tank: your heater, your l- light spectrum, uh, everything, the flow in the tank, micronutrients. And it's just one more step in the right direction, seeing uh, cool new software and
0: hardware come out for that. Now, Taylor, you're younger than me, of course. Everybody's younger than me. <laughs> D- do you know what the Reef Pie is? I didn't know what that was. And these guys rode me like I had handrails on my butt. The uh,
3: Reef Pie, isn't that uh, using Raspberry Pi? And it's like an open source source software for monitoring your own tanks. In your
1: face, Jimmy? Slash terrariums,
3: oh. slash so many different things you can use it for.
1: You rock, Taylor. She's my. You finally got your I song. finally got it, yeah. You finally got your I've been song. wanting
2: my song Cherry Pie from
0: Warrant. Do it.
2: Congratulations. Yeah. Anyways, I just want to give that shout-out. The link will be in the show notes. Certainly keep up. And you can find the Reef Pie community on Facebook. They have a group, and they try to keep up on everybody else's projects and, and share. This whole idea is not locked down. It's shared between everyone. Certainly check it out. But the other email that we got was... Hey guys, uh, this is from Rex. Hey guys, just wanted to say I started listening to your podcast after looking for help with bicyclids. Didn't get what I was looking for, but got hooked to the show anyway. I'm on episode number six at the moment. Keep them coming. Cheers. From Australia. From
0: Australia. From Australia. From
2: down under. All right, so that is done for emails. Now, a quick update. Minnesota Aquarium Expo is postponed due to the, you know, COVID-19 outbreak. Aiming for end of July if possible, but again, everything's tentative as most of, you know, our day-to-day commutes are tentative. Yeah. So we will uh, wait for a new date to be tentatively released. Sorry we missed out on you. We will certainly aim to go when the new date has been dropped.
0: We were really disappointed this happened, but we totally get it. We all have to get on this COVID-19 and try to all stay clean and healthy, and uh, I hear a lot of people complaining about it. You know, what's eight weeks out of your life if you're going to uh, keep somebody healthy, uh, keep your children healthy, keep your family healthy? So uh, buck up my little buckaroos. It's We're going to get through this, and uh, at the end, we're going to have one hell of a party.
2: It's right. Hopefully next week, you can tell people how to make their own uh, fish food so they don't have to go to the store, bake something up.
0: Yes. I like to feed my, uh, my fish chocolate chip cookies. Is that why they all died? No, that's that's why I'm so fat. I oh, you just eat them before they get you to contain. eat the yeah. chocolate chip cookies, or the fish after. No, I eat the, the chocolate chip cookies, and I brush off the crumbs off my shirt into the. In, oh, there you go. In there, and that's what they they enjoy. That any good uh, person should
2: never never try that. All right, so the next thing on our list is we want to give a shout-out to Ohio Fish Rescue. We did do it at the beginning of every one of our episodes, but just go check it out. We were actually on one of their uh, initial live streams. They're upgrading their entire live stream uh, and broadcast studio, and we're th- helping them through uh, all those steps. I've been uh, spending uh, many a night with Big Rich, helping him uh, set up uh, different software scenes and making it look better and better. So certainly check it out, Ohio Fish Rescue, on YouTube. We'll probably be on more Friday night live streams with them until we get all this uh, done, and uh, he wants to have a continual loop of guests
0: every Friday. I tell you, that was a lot of fun. If you haven't watched Rich's and Josh's live stream, here's what I learned. They do a drinking game during the podcast. It's an underground hidden drinking game, sir? Oh, underground, so we can't talk about it? Oh, you can talk about it. So anyway, I came over here with a six-pack of beer, and I thought I was going to have to walk home because... Every time they said, uh, what was the word this last week? Super chat. Super chat, which they said every 45 seconds. (laughs) And you're supposed to take a drink. And I thought I was going to have Rob drive me home, but I'm only a block away, so I walked home. But I left the car here. It was a tough night for me, because I drank a a six-pack of beer in about 40 minutes. (laughs)
2: That's right. I just got to clean up your chair today, and there was bottle caps everywhere. I know. I'm sorry. That's okay. So that's a tip for the, you know...
0: But that was a blast. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Wow. And, and so I want to encourage anybody who to uh, join in on them. What is it, Friday nights at what time? They
2: like got Friday nights, I believe, it's uh, 6 Central.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, 6 Central. And uh, gave a lot of great information, had a lot of fun, had a lot of laughs and stuff. He gave some updates on Tracy. I know I just looked on his uh, Facebook here not too long ago, and he is pissed off at the world and i don't blame him one bit that he cannot go in to see tracy right now during this covid 19 everything's on lockdown yeah so our hearts go out to you big rich if you're listening we're there for you buddy
2: so last thing on my list is again with the aquarium expo closed down we're trying to think of some sort of plan b that we can do until then and we can't gather anywhere i mean that's that's not safe so what we're thinking of doing is doing a uh, either a, a Discord party some night where we get to hang out, pick and gym, or we uh, finally get to use our equipment and try to set up a live stream of our own. Oh, that'd be fun. And have it interactive so we get to have people on you know Discord talk with us while we're on the live stream and just have a, a big old fun hangout session. That'd be Sort good. of uh, you know, Friday night party after uh, Big Rich is done, maybe.
0: Oh, there we go. So you know, We'll get a bunch of drunks tuning in.
2: If you guys got ideas or suggestions on what that would look like or what that would be, find us on our Discord, aquariumguyspodcast.com. On the bottom of the website, you'll find the Discord link. And Discord is just this easy-to-use chat client. Where we use it for interviews, and we use it to message our with our fans direct back and forth. So certainly give it a go. See how, how it works for you. And if you like the show, like what you're hearing, number one, support our sponsors. They support us. And if you want to help us out directly, you can go to our website, again, com. On the bottom of the website, you'll find the donate tip jar that we have set up. It's uh, our alternative to Patreon, so you can do once or monthly, whatever is more comfortable for you, and keep this podcast rolling. Sweet. Well, let's get on to the meat of all this. Taylor, we have so many uh, really uh, protective people of betas, and <laughs> so many things changing yeah. in the beta world, like the glow betas, that this... Oh, yeah. this you know, podcast has been dire Those overdue. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, again, happy to have you. But let's start off with more about you. What got you into the hobby?
3: Oh, gosh. What got me into the hobby? I've always been interested in, in fish. I blame it on working as a cashier in a pet store and just staring at, at the fish all day long and daydreaming about them. And then also um, just loving planted tanks and plants and just... It all just worked together.
2: Is that when you got started? <clears throat> is when you were working at a pet store?
3: No, I was. I was pretty sorry if I'm stuttering. I've never talked about this kind of stuff before.
2: No worries. More questions Believe about you not. instead of presenting.
3: Okay, all right. So I've always been interested in fish and fish tanks, but I've never been able to act on that interest because I've kind of lived somewhat nomadically. In a car, I...
0: in a car down by the river.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's a van. It's, a
0: van. it's it. a van. Oh wow, she's on board already. She's already hammered on me. No, that's okay. I love you, Taylor.
3: (laughs) Um, But I've always, you know, been moving around and traveling and and, and changing jobs and moving states, so I've never really been able to have fish until finally I felt like I was at a point where I was much more secure and stable and staying in one place, and I knew that I'd be able to work on the projects that I wanted to. And this was just a few years ago.
0: So how many Um, years have you been doing this?
3: With YouTube, I think I've done it for two years maybe just over two years. But then as for fish, I've maybe a couple years more, like three years. So really not that long where I've been taking it seriously instead of just like a, an interest where I read about it and watch things about it.
2: So what gave you the idea that, Hey, I really need to share this passion of mine, this, uh, this hobby on YouTube. What, uh, what made you jump in and take the plunge?
3: The creative outlet. Um, I really like technology and video editing. And I used to be in the video game industry and I'd work with visuals a lot. And I, it's just something that was right up my alley is is learning about how to make a, a YouTube channel. And that's, once I saw that other people were, were doing this and they were actually making channels and videos about the hobbies that they love, I knew that I had to do it too. And I actually blame Inglorious Betas um which is a channel that I dearly love even though she's not really posting anymore for getting me uh, the motivation and the idea to make my own channel
2: when you first started you immediately dove into betas or was there something I else did. that you started with it was just no, you knew betas. It was betas i just
3: knew i loved them
2: so if you go online now and you see that you used to sell again you've had had a child uh, more recently so I, yeah. I don't know about stocking but you have many different videos of breeding, care, uh, you know, new displays of new betas coming in all the time and it seems that you sell stock is that stock on your website your own?
3: The stock on my website is my own, it's changed. What's on my website right now? Unfortunately, I don't have any fish available because I've been so busy just with my new baby and my family, it's hard to get enough fish to be able to sell online. I also sell to my pet store, I also sell just kind of offline to acquaintances and and people I know just through email. It's a lot easier to do that than to try to do nice photography of all, all the stock and then post it online and go through the whole hassle. I, I do import fish, they're my project fish, and then I'll you know, I'll either keep those fish, I'll breed them, I'll add them to my projects. When I'm done, they'll go to other people, or they'll be my pets, or they'll go to the pet store, um, and it's just a constant flux as for what I have.
0: Right now, I've got about 100 Dumbo, let's see if I get this right.
2: Dumbo Ear is what they call Dum- them? Dumbo Ear
3: Half Moon
0: yeah. Bettas. I just purchased Ooh, last cool. week, and they Wait, came... They how came, many? What? About 100.
3: You bought 100.
0: Yes. I usually have 300 on hand or so. Back when I was wholesaling and stuff, I'd get 1,200 in a week, uh, 1,500 in a week. And it's just amazing. I I find these bettas and I go, this one I don't really like. I don't think it's going to sell. And And that always sells. And it always sells. So (laughs) you don't know. um, Everybody. Uh, I,
3: used to... I do that too. I do that too. I'm so picky about my fish and what I put on my website. It's like I, I only want to show the best of the best because I see all the flaws in all the other ones, not realizing that normal people they don't see those flaws.
0: Right, and 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 just because you don't like you know the silver fish or or the the you know dark dark red or whatever color you don't like, it, some people just think it's fantastic.
3: Right. Well, a so... hundred Dumbos—that's a lot. Dumbo's.
0: Yeah. Jimmy wholesales to different pet stores uh, in Minnesota,
2: so he certainly uh, pushes a lot of a lot of betas out.
0: Yeah, and over and I oh, I, I actually have a small store over in a neighboring town and stuff. And um, I made a, a better rack. I went to Target and I bought these four inch by four inch, and I think they hold about twenty ounces of water. And I made a rack to hold them, which are is backlit. And I went from selling mm. probably about uh, fifteen to twenty betas a week. To, uh, right now, I'm selling about forty betas a week. Wow, and,
3: that's great.
0: Yeah. They I made it easier
3: about making uh, a better rack.
0: Yeah, I, I made a better rack, yeah. and then I backlit it with two four-foot LED lights. And nice. what I didn't realize is that uh, not only do airplanes circle the building, because they think it's an airport, because it's so dang oh. bright, it also <laughs> it also breeds a lot of uh, algae in the cups and stuff. So I'm now going to talk to Rob here, and we're going to try to get some other lights that uh, aren't quite as uh, nasty for making algae, so... Light controllers go a long way. Yeah. so Like a dimmer
3: switch? Could you attach a dimmer on there? Absolutely.
2: So let's do it. it. But yeah, the the new setup that he made, it keeps uh, a little bit more space than they have because all pet stores want to do traditional cups and we're trying to like sway away from that. So it gives them more space. It actually puts heat on the beta, which is crucial for a beta looking good and keeping healthy. So it, uh, it did a lot.
3: Perfect. I love that. That's, that's great.
2: So what I want to do is go through a couple stages here because we have a lot of questions to, to go over with you. Number one, we're going to have a lot of a mixed audience and we have a lot of beginner keepers on here. So for misconceptions, what do you recommend as a beta professional and a beta breeder for long-term care and ownership of a beta?
3: For care of these fish, the first thing I recommend is just warm, clean water. Like that's the most important thing you could possibly offer these fish. Um, a lot of people don't realize that they need a heater, that they need tropical temperatures to really thrive and be healthy. A lot of people who are just getting into fish and just looking into Vedas, they don't realize like water chemistry and water parameters and that kind of thing. And that's where a lot of the issues uh, come from. So that's the first thing I recommend is just warm, clean water. That's where you start. I have a lot of people asking me about like, oh, well, what do you think about tank size? And I like to say to those people that the the bigger you can go, the better, just because your your water parameters are going to be more stable. I don't recommend keeping them in tiny little cups. I also don't necessarily agree with people who say you have to keep them in, like, a 10-gallon tank minimum. I don't believe that.
2: I always say that the optimal setup, if you can, go bigger. You, I yeah, have betas exactly. with a community tank, you know, as long as they're not picking fins.
0: And and there's right. a lo- a lot of beautiful new one-gallon tanks that people can keep on their desk at work. And the actual, the light bulbs on those things will actually keep that, uh, the water pretty warm on their desk and so they can enjoy that fish while they're at work.
2: Actually, they have heat plates, they have built-in filters, mm-hmm. so it's, it's sometimes even more than one gallon with a uh, built-in filter.
3: Yeah, well, if somebody came to me with like a gallon or a two-gallon tank that was perfect, the fish had nice warm water, it was clean, maybe they have a filter in there, they're taking good care of it the way that they need to take good care of a small amount of water. I'm not going to, like, be angry or judge that person, right? And so many people online are so quick to do that. It's like, oh, that's not a 10-gallon tank. You're a terrible person. But there's a lot more to taking care of the fish than just that.
2: So the other things is people don't want to have uh, filters. They don't have aerators. And, yes, betas can breathe directly out of the uh, air pocket above. But it's still nice to have uh, water flow in a tank if you possibly can. Um, having a bubbler just to cycle the water through with a sponge filter, fantastic, just to keep your wall- water quality up.
3: And I love sponge filters. I always recommend sponge filters.
2: Hey, Team Taylor, that's who I'm on tonight. Plants are <laughs> always a, a good recommendation as well. Oh,
3: I love plants. Some people just can't do plants, though, and I understand that.
2: Again, I'm trying to get all these misconceptions from a lot of it because betas are really touchy to the community. You mentioned before how people says they need to be 10-gallon minimum. Betas above any other fish community that you see are super protective because of the abuses they've been put through for years. There used to be one of the most popular fish sold, if not still, in 2009, 2008 era, give or take. There used to be you know thousands of betas sold everywhere. They were in flower shops. And one of the biggest misconceptions that we see is people say these plant setups. They have a vase, they put a plant on top, and there's a beta in there. Like, no, the beta eats the roots. I hated those.
3: Right. I that was actually my very first beta when I was a very little kid. Um, I think somebody gifted it to us. It was a little fish in a vase, you know, with the plant on top. I like what? What is it? Like a peace lily? I don't even remember. Yeah, what it's a peace lily.
0: That what they recommended. Yep.
3: Uh huh. And the instructions were that the fish uh, they were going to eat the roots and pick at the roots. You which, didn't need to change the water, right? Wasn't that part of the instructions? Yeah,
0: it was. It was stupid. I don't really remember. Yeah, no
2: changing the water. You just top it off. It's a whole ecosystem. You just put it in a, close to a window, right. Which of course <laughs> grows algae. At night it froze, In the daytime it got too hot. It went green immediately and killed the fish in exponential rate.
0: Yeah. You know, and I don't want to say that bettas are beginner fish, but that's what a lot of people start with. Is we they go get their children a betta in a in a quart jar or whatever. And they'll say, and this used to happen to Adam a lot, and I'd be in his store and people would come in and say, yeah, my bed is not moving around. Well, we're in northern Minnesota. It's cold Uh in the house And because it's 70 degrees in your house means that water is probably 67, 68. Right. And I would recommend, and so would Adam, you know, put if all you have is a bowl and you don't have a heater, you know, put it on top of your refrigerator because at least the refrigerator, if you ever put your hand on top of the refrigerator, it's pretty warm. And, yeah,
3: that makes sense.
0: And uh, that would keep that would certainly help the fish and, and keep them more active. Don't put them on top of your TV like I had somebody do because the kid knocked off the, oh. the uh, yeah the thing on the TV and blew up a three hundred dollar TV. Oh, oops. Yeah, so don't do that. But
3: but I actually recommend. I think betas are a really great beginner fish. I just think that there's not enough maybe education out there on how to actually take care of a fish, and people just don't realize how to do it. They impulse buy this cute little colorful, pretty little personable creature and they aren't ready to do everything else that you have to do to take care of them so like
0: like kind of like raising children you go oh they're cute let's get one (laughs) yeah and you go what the hell just like kids (laughs) rethinking whatever how about that adam huh
2: (laughs) adam just fell off his chair so one of the uh, another uh, misconception that people say is you can't put uh, two betas together well people don't know that females really don't fight and you can have sororities but the, you see a lot of videos on YouTube. There's a lot of you know, advanced aquarists out there that even don't bring themselves, and people have you know, random videos you'll find on the internet. Oh, here's a bunch of male betas together in the same tank. So is there ever a time where you have replicated such activity, Taylor, or yeah. a, a secret trick that you have?
3: I wouldn't call it secret. The only time I've been able to keep males together is when they, I'm actually growing out a spawn. Um, I like to remove my males from their spawn as they're growing. When they start to show aggression, they're starting to chase the other fish, maybe nip a little bit. That's my sign that I'm going to remove the male. But, but what do you do if you have a male that isn't showing those signs? I, sometimes I just decide to leave them in the tank with all the females and all the other kind of more docile males and, I don't have problems with it. But these keep in mind, these fish have never been removed from that environment. Um, they don't have that territorial instinct that can come out more after you remove the male from his spawn. And that I, that's the only real situation where I've been able to keep males together. So and it's never permanent, too. I, I end up taking those males out eventually.
2: So some things I've seen randomly from even my, my grandmother that got me into this hobby. She used to breed betas herself. And she, uh, on very rare occasions, could raise a pair together in the uh, same aquarium, and they would leave each other alone as long as they were both from the same batch and grew up together and never being uh, taken apart. Do you ever experience that as well?
3: I've never done that. I've never just kept a pair together in a tank. I always separate the males from the females. It's just I don't like the risk. I don't like the risk to it that I'm going to walk in and have a dead female in a tank, and it's going to be all my fault.
0: I, uh, I, I'll tell you a quick story. One of my friends, who is in his late seventies right now, but he was a wholesaler out in I want to say like eastern Montana. He raised bettas by the thousands, and and here's what he's did, and this will this will probably blow your mind. And uh, John said he had a hundred percent success ratio with this, and I've never tried it. And I don't want to try it, but he was out on a a big farm, and he raised all his own goldfish, and he he would import fish to sell, and he raised his own bettas. He had a three hundred gallon stock pond inside a building with a heater in it, and as his fish uh, hatched and he got them off uh, baby brine shrimp, then he would throw them all in a 300-gallon pond, and he said he would have four or 5,000 fish in the 300-gallon pond, but what he did is he kept the water so dark they could hardly see each other with peat moss.
3: Oh, my gosh. I've never heard of that. Yes. Oh,
0: wow. And uh, so anyway, I, I I called BS on it. I said, John, I don't even I don't know if I believe you. And by God, if he didn't come a couple of weeks later, I used to buy uh, a, a lot of guinea pigs from him because he commercially raised guinea pigs. And he came he's still alive. I is, remember him. He's still alive. And he came with these pictures of stuff. And there was pictures of, of uh, him going in and, with a, a net, and he came out with with two hundred bettas, males and females, just most beautiful color. And he said he would throw in a handful of. Uh, flake food twice a day, three times a day, and they he said these fish never uh, had any nip fins; they never bothered anybody. He said because in the wild, he says this is what they're doing. He said, but the whole trick is to keep the water so dark that they can't really see each other. which Wow, I thought,
3: you learn something new every day. Yeah, so nope, I don't, I've never heard of that, but yeah, probably the dark water, and then also there's just so many fish; one fish can't single out another fish to just constantly chase it.
0: Yeah, and a 300 gallon in you know, a horse trough is probably. What do you say, Robs? Is it probably seven feet o- across? I mean it's a big god dang tank. At, it, and-
2: it depends on the, the the trough, but yeah, a lot of those, especially like the uh what was it stainless steel ones that they use, I forget galvanized steel right. are yeah, six feet.
0: Yep, and he was lucky enough too where, where he had a natural spring in his property, and he said, I'd go out there in the natural spring, and I'd get 15, 20 gallons of water. He goes, ice cold. He goes, you know, uh, 55 degrees. He said, but I would pour it in that 300-gallon tank. He said, the temperature would fluctuate a degree, and as he poured in, you know, the 15, 20, 25 gallons of water that he'd do a water change with, it would just go over through a, a small spout off to the side and kind of drain on its own. He said, that's, that's how I did a water change, and uh, he said, I had great success. He says, he, he did this for like 15 or 20 years, so... It must have worked.
3: It must have worked, and that's another reason why betas make such a great beginner fish. They're very hardy and beautiful, and I think they are a great beginner fish. They can Just look take, at all the look at all the different ways they can be raised and taken care of.
2: They can take a ton of abuse. That's for, uh, that's for sure for uh, that's someone sad, that's learning.
3: But yes, they they can.
2: On your website uh, for the YouTube channel, one of the more popular videos that we want to talk to you about is, of course, the infamous infamous beta rack. What was oh, your thought rack. process behind that? And again, we'll have the link to your YouTube channel and the specific video for the for the beta rack in our show notes. But again, what was the thought process behind that? How did you develop that particular rack?
3: To be honest, I had an empty wall and it was driving me crazy. <laughs> I didn't know what to put on it. I wanted to use it and I just couldn't figure out like, okay, well, should I put a tank here? Should I put some shelves and I could put jars here? And then at the time, I was also driving myself a little bit crazy with just all the water changes because in the way that I raise my fish, I don't use filters. I do it kind of the traditional way um, where you manually change the water from the containers that you have your growing males in. And it's a huge time sink. It's, it's a lot of effort. It's not something that I recommend to people is keeping their fish in smaller containers with manual water changes. It's a huge pain. Um, but that kind of made me come to the conclusion that I really needed to make some kind of recirculating system and make it work on this really narrow space because I didn't have a whole lot of room and I had to walk by it. It's basically in a doorway in a bathroom. So that's, that's what I came up with is just this little design. Um, I knew like I could probably work with about seven inches and, I found some some containers to work with my dimensions I needed, and it just all snowballed from there and then one day I just made it.
2: so have you ever had like set that up as a recirculating system because it looks like I you have. just do it for water changes?
3: Yeah, um at the time when I made the video, it was just a flow through system. I just pumped fresh water in and the dirty water would come out straight into the sink. But since then, I actually made like a sump down below. It's made out of a trash can. Um, with a bunch of, of media in it, and the pump is in there, and, and now it's a recirculating system.
0: And your life is a heck of a lot simpler, isn't it?
3: It is really, really nice. The whole thing holds, I think, around 40 fish, um, and right now it's not totally full, and it just it makes life easier, and it saves my wrists because I gave myself tendinitis last year just changing so many waters and not taking care of myself. Um, so this way I can take care of my my hands a little bit better. And it's a lot easier. Now, I still have fish that aren't in the recirculating system, um, especially fish that I import or fish that aren't mine. They're not of my spawns. I don't put them in the recirculating rack because who knows what kind of super rare, brand new, scary disease they could give all of my fish.
0: You never know what's going to be coming in from an import. Um,
3: you never know.
0: You never know. I mean, last week I ordered some Discus. And I'd like to bring Discus in from a certain supplier, and I know the supplier as number 307 from my wholesaler. And she goes, are you sure you want discus this week, Jim? I go, yeah, I sure do. She goes, they're from China. I said, I'll pass. And you don't oh. you don't know what's going to come in on a bag. And I have had some uh, weird poisonings that I've gotten. You know, like if you have a small cut on your finger and you handle a bag, and I've actually got, got blood poisoning up through my arm on two different occasions in 30 years. Where I've handled a, a bag, because you don't know where this bag has been. You know, it, it's over, overseas in a third world country. You, you don't know if everybody there has their shots and whatnot. And I've gotten blood poisoning twice. Um, wait,
3: from handling bags?
0: From handling fish bags, yeah. And, oh and
3: my God.
0: If you've ever had blood poisoning, it hits you pretty quick. I mean, you handle something, and then within about 12, 14 hours, I've, I've had symptoms. And I, I didn't think it was from the bags, but my doctor said, absolutely. He said, it's it's from your, your fish bags, because it's. All right, it, wait
3: a second. Wait a second. What? I have something coming from China. Not right now, obviously. I had this thing set up um, before this whole coronavirus thing hit. Then, mm-hmm. of course, it got it got canceled. I mean, I'm just waiting now for everything to calm down until I get this fish that I've been looking for for years. Uh, but that's kind of a scary story. You know,
0: if you put on some rubber gloves, which I never do. And that's my fault. But, you know, uh, you're a young mother of, of a couple of kids. You definitely probably should put on some rubber gloves when you're handling right. anything that's imported. I'll tell you a quick story. When I, when I used to import, and, and my, I, had, I have two boys, and they're 28 and 26. And uh, when those two little jerks would do something, uh, uh-huh. I, here's how I used I to. laugh
3: because I can relate.
0: Yeah. When they would do something, um, how they got punished at our houses? they weren't grounded. We didn't take away, you know, the cartoons on the TV, that sort of thing. I made them cup bananas. And I mean, I'm not kidding you, I'd have those two kids standing at the kitchen sink and they would have to do 300 bettas in one night. And you know how they come packaged into little one ounce um, packaging. And uh, my kids are very good with knives because, I mean, they used to, you know, at the age of six and eight, they would cut open the bag and put the bettas in the cup and put the snap on the lid and go downstairs and put it on the rack because at at that time I was working out of my home. But what my kids would do is I bring in these big boxes that are imported and they would have newspaper as insulation and those little jerks would steal the newspaper because there's always some naked korean girl or something on page seven and i could never you know for the first six months i couldn't figure out why they're so dang happy that i got another fish order and they're gonna help me unload and, and they, i'll take the boxes oh i'll take the boxes outside dad into the garage and i'll do that for you i appreciate it they don't have crossword puzzles right so. and, and then one day their mother came and uh, my ex-wife she comes she goes hey look what i found under the Uh, In the closet of the kids and stuff, and I go, and it was like about twenty pages, and they all had these cute little Korean girls, half naked or fully naked, because (laughs) over there they actually have nudity in their newspapers. I I feel like there's a lot of
2: public service announcements in this whole little conversation here.
0: Yeah, one: wear gloves. Right. Don't let
2: uh, the fish liquid from China get on your open source. (laughs) There we go. Two, always punish your kids when (laughs) unboxing fish. So either one, love it, or two, hate it, and
0: either way it's you'll figure it out.
3: And then I can't wait until my children are old enough to where I can punish them with my fish chores.
0: There you go. You are Can't wait. You're right on task. It's gonna be great. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you that neither one of my kids have fish tanks and they'll never will. And three, make sure to burn the paper clippings, (laughs) otherwise
2: your kids will find them.
0: Yeah, I, I also, it was funny because one time, uh, uh, Kyle, who's my oldest, he's 28 years old now, he says, hey, I want to take some of these newspapers in to show, and they were uh, in the Chinese language, or I'm not sure what language, to be honest with you, and he would take it in to, for show and tell, which I thought was pretty cool because they had all these full newspapers and stuff, but we had to kind of edit them to make sure that there was nothing on site when they took it in. <laughs>
3: that's, that's smart. Yeah. Good on you. Let's talk about
2: other breeding methods that you have. So this goes into the more intermediate advanced category for those listeners. You have a few videos of uh, better steps and how you breed, but for the, our listeners, if they want to breed a pair of betas, what's you know some of the first steps?
3: Ooh, I do have videos, um, but I actually don't have a specific step- by step how-to video on breeding and that's something that I'm actually working on right now. Uh, The thing that's been holding me up is just getting good footage. I'm really picky about footage, and I tend to breed in these Rubbermaid containers where you don't get good footage. Um, It's like the semi-opaque container, and I'm not getting good footage in there. It's dark. What am I going to do? So lately I've been trying really hard to get some good footage in actual glass containers. Uh, So hopefully that'll be coming up soon, except for my fish aren't cooperating lately. As for the first steps, I would say your fish itself, the breeder pair itself should be your first step. Um, for example, do you know what's going to happen when you pair these two fish? Are you going to get a nice, strong body that's going to be able to support the weight of the fins? Do you know if you're going to get long fins or short fins? Um, do you have an idea of what's going to be the dominant traits of, of your batch or? what are you breeding for? Or are you just throwing two fish together and seeing what happens, which I don't necessarily recommend. So I think that's your first step is choosing your pair to produce what you want. So
2: what do you recommend in a pair? For instance, do you recommend them being more of the same style, the same body size, or is completely crossing, you know, say like a half moon beta with a Picot beta, something that you've seen easily done?
3: Yeah, it's definitely easily, easily done. They're all the same species. Um, just remember that they're just different tail types or different colors. And the way that you combine them is going to give you different results. The pairs that you choose should complement each other. That's just ba- basic animal husbandry, but a lot of people don't really think about that. Like if you see a flaw on your male, try to choose a, f- he's not, he's not worthless. You just want to choose a female who's going to maybe even out that flaw does he have a tiny little body but big fins well choose a female who's going to even that out that's a good recommendation i've never even thought about that yeah a lot of people will see like oh that fish is only so and so and so but you're just looking at the phenotype you don't actually know that fish you know might be from an amazing line you have no idea so just you could just work with it
0: once you figure out what male female you want how do you condition those fish to get them ready for spawning
3: Conditioning is pretty easy. Um, you basically just treat them like little princes and princesses. That's what I do. I make sure that their water's nice and warm. I feed them multiple times a day. I wait until the female is starting to look nice and eggy. I, I like to, to let my... Define eggy. Oh, <laughs> nice eggy, like nice and plump, you know, just, just a little little chunky.
0: Like she swallowed a marble. Sort of. Do you wait till the ovipositor protrudes a little bit
3: from well, the female the ovipositor generally shows itself on all of my female fish i've never had a female where it wasn't visible to be honest it's just it should be visible at all times in my opinion because i've never had a female where i can't see the ovipositor.
0: you know I, I raise a lot of angelfish and the ovipositors has come out just before spawning and then goes goes back up so that's interesting that the bed is pretty much are always down on a female
3: yeah, or maybe if you have a really poorly conditioned female, it would disappear. Or if you have a female who is going to transition into a male, which can happen.
4: Whoa, whoa, whoa. We um, have to stop. Yeah, the I've, I've heard it.
3: Yeah, it happens. Females can turn into males. Sometimes it's unpredictable. Sometimes, uh, you know, one week you might have a super obvious female. And then, oh, wait a second. All of a sudden, I don't see an ovipositor. All of a sudden, the fins are looking a little longer than they did. Um, They can spontaneously turn into male and then the mechanism isn't really known, but it can happen. That's one of the dangers of like maybe having a a sorority tank is you might have a female in there who's going to turn all nasty and aggressive because she's actually turning male.
2: I've never heard of that. This is like, I'm in a whole new world. Now I know that a lot of fish species across nature do change uh, sexes, but I never knew betas were a part of that. And that could explain some of the stuff I've had in the past. So what are some of the signs that you'd look for for your your transgender beta your Your
1: your freaky (laughs) beta. Well,
3: a younger fish, a younger female has more of a chance than an older female. Um, I'd say once you get past, like, six months or probably even less, the chances of that happening goes way down. Also, if the the fish has bred before, um, she's not going to turn male. It's, like, locked in after that.
0: So, you're, you're talking about, about these, I don't, know, I don't know, a word, virgin fish that you have. I'm serious, Rob. Quit laughing at me. <laughs> I just love the descriptions.
3: <laughs>
0: Do you want me to put like a virgin right here? It's no, no. See, <laughs> yes,
2: your dream of 72 virgins dramatically changed. <laughs> no, yesterday. that's not me. That's Adam.
4: But <laughs> No, it's not. God damn it. Uh, well, but, my flight got canceled, anyways. That's go. right.
0: Adam. Adam's half, half Arab, half white, and in. He gets a lot of crap from us because it's fun. We pick on both halves equally. We do. (laughs) We we do actually pick on both halves equally. But um, I think what you're saying too, Taylor, is that once these virgin fish, there's a lot of hormones in those water, and I think hormones can from other fish can switch it up. I'll tell you a quick story. Our dog, who is 14 years old, who has never been in heat in the last five or six years, now that we have a male puppy in the house, she just went in the heat after five years of not being, uh, you know, going in a cycle. So uh, hormones will do crazy things to crazy people.
3: Yeah, and who knows? It's an unknown mechanism when it comes to when it comes to betas.
2: No, have you seen males transition to females?
3: No, not once, not ever. So I've only seen females turn into males, and I've never seen it happen after breeding.
4: It's like clownfish will do it. Yep, I've read that. And then and then swordtails. I've had a female swordtail. What she did was I kept her by herself for so long. She actually dropped a litter of fry. She only dropped like three or four babies. She was a big female. Then she turned into a male and her babies were females and then she bred with the babies.
2: I am not drinking any Whoa. of you people's water. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so so she grew a gonopodium? She
4: grew a gonopodium, but it, it wasn't like a straight gonopodium. It was still kind of a little floppy.
2: And Again, he females longer. to males only. Males don't transition over after they bred. They just don't. They're locked in. You got your stuff all set. It's all over after back on track. After yeah. they're no longer virgin uh-huh. fish. And <laughs> and
3: that's that's what I say. That's my experience and the experience of a lot of other people I know. Uh, if I get somebody yelling at me that that's not true, I'm just saying that that's my experience <laughs> and just like the collective experience of a bunch of other people.
0: Yeah, it, it's just amazing how many people come on. That we just had the pond guy on, and he says, I've been doing this for 29 years, and people tell me, well, th- that can't be done. And I go, I've been doing it for 29 years. Don't tell me it can't be done. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, everybody has different experiences, and every time we have somebody new on a podcast like yourself, we learn something every single night, and that's what I love about this podcast.
2: Yep, I, I, again, not that I don't believe you, but I had to confirm, and there's uh, definitely some research on sex reversal for female betas, As a function of testosterone manipulation and social influence. So definitely not crazy. It's a a confirmed thing. I've just
0: never known about it. Did you say social (laughs) influence? Correct. So if these fish are at the club clubbing... And if the, you make and the a horrority. <laughs> the hormones are, are screaming and raging. Oh Lord. Why why does this turn dirty? I don't get this.
2: I'm gonna put on uh glitter later. Oh, just yeah to
0: celebrate. You should do so, that.
4: So well shouldn't you just borrow some from the balloons that Jim gave you in the house?
2: I don't even know where to go from uh, yeah. <laughs> from the. Group. I don't even know where to go with uh with the next questions after this for, for follow up. <laughs> so when when you're raising these isn't it become impossible to gender at a very young age when they're fry? Generally you can see like males, you know, they have uh longer fins, they'll they'll grow a little different, but
3: um I can tell from a pretty young age which fish are going to be male. Um but but I can't tell all the time. I can't tell all the time. Sometimes it's really obvious. Other times you'll have a bunch of males in there who just who look like females. They're still developing. But once you start to get an eye for it, the first thing to look for is definitely those longer ventral fins um, on your little male babies. Sometimes you can just notice it really, really soon. And sometimes they'll even be chasing the other fish and being little jerks at a very young age so what's more
2: common for fish because some fish you know uh males are more common in a batch than females and females are rare and few and far between how are betas is it 50 50
3: no i would say it's well coming from my experience i would say it's just kind of an even 50 50 um i have heard of sometimes people getting freak all female spawns or uh like, either drastically skewed to one sex or the other in a spawn, but I haven't really seen that.
0: Adam, you and I had a conversation one time about temperature skewing different male-female ratios. What is that all about?
3: Yeah, is that proven on, on temperatures when it comes to a fish like betas?
4: I don't know about that, um, but I know that it is for reptile eggs and right. a lot of geckos. Um but I think I always thought that you could get more males. And then I also was reading something about the pH level in the water. And depending the pH level, you can control the sex on that, too. I don't, I don't know. know how I much heard truth of there is to that.
3: I haven't heard of that one. I have heard of some breeders, like wholesale breeders, using hormones in the water to actually um, turn female fish into male or give them a higher propensity to do so.
0: And, and that makes total sense because they get more money for a male, male better than they do a female.
3: Yes, so, but so, I don't know like what hormones or what dosing they're doing. I don't have any of that information. And I wouldn't do it even if I knew it.
0: No, but, that, but overseas, that's what they're doing is they're trying to produce more males because there's more of a demand. I used to, I wholesale level, I used to buy female bettas for a quarter all the time. And males were always about 55 cents wholesale. Uh, you got to realize everybody goes. Oh, that's really cheap. Well, okay, put it on an airplane, fly it halfway across the world, and see how cheap it
2: is. No longer fifty-five cents,
3: and you have to buy a thousand.
0: Right, you have to buy a thousand. You have to pay uh, box charges, shipping charges, heat pack charges, any charge. I and
3: mean, your kids have to cut them all,
0: your kids have to cut them all, and then you have to go underneath their bed and steal all the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Nudes paper. Nudes paper. There you go. That's a good one, Adam. <laughs> when you breed these uh, fish after you have them conditioned, what do you put them into? Breed them.
3: I use Rubbermaid containers. Actually, I don't know if they're Rubbermaid, since since that's a brand, but I use these plastic, mostly transparent boxes I get from Home Depot. They're uh, probably about maybe two-thirds the size of a 10-gallon tank, like when you're looking at at the floor plan. I just find that they're pretty convenient. They're lightweight. Even if they're, like, full of water, I can still move them around. They're strong enough for that. And I just like using plastic containers more because I can stack them. I can put them away when I'm done and have all of that space left, which is important to me because I don't really work with a whole lot of space. I'm literally working out of a bathroom um, and then a little tiny chunk of the library, which I've stolen for a fish rack. Storage space is, is crucial and, and much beloved by me, so I really prefer using plastic containers to breed in. And they don't break. And they don't break.
2: I think the question you're getting at is trying to, because people breed in a separate container and then they move the males and eggs and break the nest. You don't do that. You leave them in the containers, correct?
3: I do. I let them spawn and then I'll remove the female after everything's done. Generally, I'll leave the male in with the spawn for a couple days. And then once the fry are free swimming, I take the male out and then I leave the little tiny itty bitty baby eyelash fry in there for at least a couple weeks, maybe more. And once they get to a certain size, it's not a science, I just kind of eyeball it. I put them in a 10-gallon tank. Uh,
0: uh, Just a quick question. How deep is the water that you use? The very first fish that I ever bred when I was in high school, back in the 1800s, (laughs) everything that I'd read at that point, this was in books, people. and Books are things you go to the library, you get them. This wasn't on the internet. We didn't have them. And they said no more than six inches of water. How deep is your water?
3: About three inches, three Three. to four inches. I've seen people go as low as like two inches. The lower, the better. Supposedly, the male, it, uh, it helps preserve his energy. It's very cozy. He doesn't have to keep chasing his little falling eggs, you know, six, I mean, or 12 inches down if he had a full tank and then 12 inches back up and it would just be exhausting. So generally, the recommendation is about three or four inches. I just do it to cover my very gently bubbling sponge filter, which is right around four inches, I guess, three or four inches.
0: Yeah. The reason given in this book that I read when I was in high school is that they said that the water pressure also is harder on the the fry. You know, if you're eight inches versus four inches or six inches, whatever people are doing.
3: Oh, that does make sense. Um, I've I've seen other breeders recommend that, uh, for example, if you're seeing fry that aren't really able to swim, they should be free swimming, but they're sinking, they're going down to the bottom, they're stuck on the bottom to lower the water levels down to like maybe half an inch or an inch and then slowly increase it over time. So I have heard that.
0: Now, what do you use So, for them to make their bubble nest? Do you just let them make the bubble nest in the corner, or do you use and something?
2: Before that, we should actually probably explain this to our listeners, because we have a lot of beginner uh, listeners that will message us after, it's like, so how does this work, and they maybe don't know the fundamentals. That's so, true. When betas breed, again, the male beta tries to uh, court the uh, female beta and prep with a bubble nest. They make the bubble nest on the top of the surface, they literally just use their own mucus and build them with their own blown bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> so they look for debris in nature, like a leaf or something. <laughs> so we can ask, you know, tips on how to simulate that. But they build a bubble nest on a op- floating object most of the time. Again, they court the female in. They uh, wrap around, essentially trying to induce or squeeze the eggs out of her. And the male is the one that broods the eggs. He pick- makes sure to stick the eggs to the bubble nest. And if eggs fall, he picks them up, makes sure to here to the bubble nest, and keeps repairing the bubble nest as the
0: eggs develop. That sounds exhausting. Very exhausting.
3: Exhausting. Mm.
0: On that note, y- your question was again, Jimmy? I just wanted to know do you use anything in particular for them to make their bubble nest in? Because so, uh, the bubble nest yes. is pretty fragile. What do you use? I'll tell you what I use.
3: I like to use a little piece of bubble wrap, and then I put a piece of a leaf on top of the bubble wrap. So it's very cozy. And that's usually what I use.
0: That's fantastic. What I used to do when I was um, doing it, I'd read to take a styrofoam coffee cup. And saw it, you know, like the coffee cup sitting on your desk like it normally is. and Saw you about a quarter of it off. Just saw it right in half. And then you just float that styrofoam cup on top facing the the part that you drink out of towards the tank so you can watch them build the bubble nest. And then I would keep my female in a big, at that time, skippy peanut butter jar. And I would put the female in the tank in the jar. And so he could see the female but couldn't get at her and then he would build a bubble nest like a son of a gun. I like the leaf Uh, method. Uh, Yeah, the leaf method I'd never heard of and that's why I always ask these questions because everybody's got a different way of doing it.
3: I see. I have used the styrofoam cup method in the past, both sawing it in half and then just sawing the bottom off Mm -hmm. and literally just letting it float on top of the water or taping it to the side so it stays in the corner. I've done both of those. Oh, and then one quick note. Um, I heard uh, you use the phrase... To squeeze the eggs out—that's a misconception. There's Definitely. no squeezing the eggs out. A lot of people think that no
2: They
1: squeeze. don't have a,
3: muscles a to do that. male fish to squeeze the eggs out, but that's not the case. Squeeze they just wrap. Them. It
2: squeeze. certainly looks like it, but there's no way that <laughs> yeah. you can wrap your body in half like that to squeeze.
3: Oh, oh! Quick note, and then I also use the same method where I put the female in a transparent jar and i put it i like to put it in the breeding container to make sure that i'm seeing the right signs the female's ready to breed the male's ready to breed he's going to make his nest and that's you know that's all good signs if i saw bad signs i probably wouldn't breed them like maybe a male who wasn't interested or a female who was just trying to run away um that those are signs that i wouldn't breed
2: so when a female's running away they're literally to the opposite side of the glass trying to stay away from it as much as possible or what would you see them twitching how does that uh, work
3: well if I like to see the female looking at the male, interested, maybe flaring and being a little bit sassy. That's what I like to see. If I saw a female who just looked terrified that the male was flaring and dancing at her, that's that's just not a good sign for me. I don't like that. Um, but once you release, once you release, settle
0: the female, down,
3: Adam. <laughs> once you release the there female, so
0: many things. <laughs> I know.
3: Into the tank. There she is probably gonna run away because the, the ritual will begin. There's gonna be a lot of chasing and flaring and, and and biting and pecking, but that's normal to then see the female kind of start to dart away and try to find a little safe place to to hide.
0: So she's not being receptive. She's like well, she's like
3: No no a female can be receptive, but sometimes the male will still go through the chasing and pecking and flaring.
0: And that's why it's, we have the Me Too movement. That's exactly exactly because exactly. exactly. people don't eager. people don't know how to read it.
2: <laughs> it's essentially <laughs> um, to make sure we're weaning out all the Harvey Weinstein fish. Oh Lord, here we go! Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> Somebody just drove off the into the ditch again. Listen to this on the car radio. You
2: were saying, Adam?
4: Now I had always heard to give the females like a little piece of PVC pipe to hide in that only they could really fit in. Have you ever done that or no? Yes. Just, okay.
3: I I always give my females some hiding places. Um. Because I've noticed sometimes it can take a few days for the breeding to actually start. It can take up to three days, In I've seen. And I like to give a hiding place for the safety of the female. Like, what if she literally can't get away and the male is just attacking her and then uh, she's dead? Because there is no place for her to hide and and go through the ritual where usually, like, maybe wild fish the female would be able to run away and then come back and then run away and then come back but a female trapped in a little box with a highly aggressive other fish it's not always a good recipe so, especially for beginners yeah, it's can't a recipe read. for
0: disaster yeah
3: yeah especially for beginners who can't always read and see if their fish are ready to breed now how beat
2: up do your betas become after breeding i'm assuming it's not the most uh you know smooth process for all, all your betas. clearly clearly that takes three days sometimes. I'm assuming fins get nipped and there's some damage.
3: Sometimes it's incredibly smooth. It just takes a couple days for them to actually get into the wrapping and the spawning process. But there's no injuries. There's no nipped fins. It's just a lot of chasing, a lot of light uh, bites from the male chasing and flaring and going through that whole ritual. But then sometimes I will see beat up fins from actual bites. Um, sometimes the male will get a little bit beat up because the female is also nipping him back, which isn't always a good sign. If you have an aggressive female towards the male, that's also a, a bad sign, in my opinion. So fish, they're not always beat up after spawning, especially if they're both ready to go. But sometimes it will take a few days for the spawning to actually start. And that's why I like to give hiding places.
0: In your, in your fish, have you ever noticed? Is there a certain time of day where they're more apt to breed?
3: No, I wish. I wish there was some kind of pattern. I uh, wish. I, because it, I've, I go through just times where none of my fish are breeding. They're not interested. I don't see any kind of pattern. Nothing obvious. I wish I knew that there was some kind of obvious, easy way to do it.
0: When I commercially bred angelfish, I would keep track on a index card on the aquarium when these fish would breed and what i noticed a lot is that um i always fed about the same time at night right at dusk i would feed them frozen bloodworms and they would almost on cue they would spawn at seven o'clock at night eight o'clock at night at dusk but i had windows in my warehouse and so they could actually get the you know natural light in uh, are you breeding uh, specifically like in a room without any windows i'm assuming if you're saying it's a bathroom you probably don't have windows in a bathroom <laughs>
3: I do. My fish room is a bathroom. It's literally a bathroom. There's no windows in it. It's just this weird little leftover bathroom from a remodel in, in the place I'm living. Like, literally, it's, it's just an extra bathroom that nobody uses or would use. It's kind of strange. Yeah. I'll so, do- of course, I decided to make it into a fish room because yeah. why not?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have some friends that raise rainbow fish up in West Fargo, and they just told me the same thing on Saturday when I was up there, is that they've, they've noticed that about, you know, at dusk, when they, they start getting more, more action and the fish breed more often. So I was just kind of curious if that ever happens with bettas.
3: Oh, interesting. I haven't seen a particular pattern because, you know, I do have my lights on very consistently and then off consistently, but sometimes, oh, I'll usually release the females right before I go to bed at night, but sometimes they spawn right away. Sometimes it takes three days and they're spawning in the middle of the day when I'm doing my water changes. Sometimes it's at night when I I don't see them. Um, It's definitely all over the place.
0: Yeah. The other thing I really noticed too, I mean, you just said a key word there. You said water changes. I I would see spawns after water changes, but I also would see uh, water, uh, huge spawns, absolutely huge spawns happen during a heavy, heavy down pressure. And I got to the point on my index card, I would write thunderstorm or blizzard or whatever big event came through. And I was raising, I had 100 pair of angelfish at one time in one room. And uh, so we'd have a heavy thunderstorm that would come through. And I would average on on an average day, I'd have five or six spawns. But then I'd come in there one night during a thunderstorm and I had like 35 spawns. And I was up all all freaking night. You know, make it because I wasn't ready for 35 spawns, you know, pulling eggs off the slates and whatnot. And when I kept track of it, and I did this for probably about eight, nine years, I saw without a doubt that heavy down pressures would uh, cue these things to spawn. So I encourage you to try to keep track of the weather in your area uh, thunderstorms, blizzards, hurricanes, whatever you got going on. And uh, maybe see if you see any sort of pattern. And write yeah. that down and put it in your little absolutely. index. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. I have actually experimented with barometric pressure and trying to see when like maybe some rain was coming or some kind of storm, which doesn't happen all the time where I uh, I live in a pretty arid place. And getting those storms is pretty rare, um, but I have timed it before. And I have noticed like maybe a slight uptick in the, in the chance that a pair was gonna spawn, but it's not like 100% certainty that that would happen.
0: Yeah, It's just nice to have some direction. I mean, uh, I'm sure we'll, right. have, we'll have listeners that will contact us and, and give us other stories that we can share uh, next time.
3: Oh, absolutely. If anybody wants to share their experiences and how to get a pair to successfully 100% spawn all the time, that'd be great. Even I, the person who has done so many spawns, would love to know your secrets.
0: Yeah, every day we learn on this podcast, and like we've said a thousand times before in this podcast, we started this podcast to encourage people to get into the hobby, to do it right, and uh, we want the younger generation to step up and take over because all of us are getting older except for Robbie and Adam.
2: Never, never getting older a day. And Taylor, yeah. I just can't wait to get to the the emails on the Transgender Betas. That's going to be great.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, We're going to have a lot right. of fun with
2: that one. So, yeah. again, if you want to have a question for any one of our guests. is uh, HR? <laughs> HR again. Yeah. You can message us, aquariumguyspodcast.com, and bottom of the website we have. You can leave us a, a voicemail message and call us, send us a text, or email us directly, and we will read your questions live on the show.
0: And make fun of you most likely. No. <laughs> no.
2: no.
1: No. 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 No, no, no.
0: No. no. We'll have no. Taylor make funny, which is even more fun for us.
2: <laughs> so when's when's the point that you first feed your fry and what do you feed your fry?
3: As soon as my little baby fry are free swimming, I'll remove the male and then that day I'll add some vinegar eels to the water. I really like vinegar eels as a first food. Um, they're, they're easy to raise. You don't have to put a whole lot of maintenance or care into keeping a culture of vinegar eels. You literally just start the culture. You put it in a cupboard. You forget about it for six months and it, it still works. It's still perfect.
0: And it smells delicious, doesn't it? And it
3: smells so wonderful. <laughs> just. Ah. It's actually not bad. It just smells like vinegar.
0: As long as you don't like take...
3: apple cider vinegar.
0: Yeah. And as long as you don't put it in the sun and the sun hits it at 110 degrees and you find oh. it. I've happened that's happened.
3: Yeah, and... I didn't think about that. So it's after... definitely nothing like microworms or banana worms. What? Nothing like it. It's just vinegary. But that's the first food that I use, especially because it actually stays uh, swimming in the water column, especially up towards the top. These the vinegar eels don't just sink down to the bottom like microworms do. Oh, plus they're a lot smaller than microworms, which I also like. So that's my first food. And And I'll use that for the first couple days. And you
2: said you just put them in a jar, put them in the shelf. What do you do to maintain a culture?
3: I literally, I put some established culture in a new jug of apple cider vinegar. I'll let it sit.
2: Just pure apple cider vinegar. Yeah, just
3: pure apple cider vinegar. Sometimes I'll stick a little chunk of apple in there. Not because I've noticed that it's incredibly necessary, but it's just because people online have said to feed them occasionally with a little tiny chunk of apple. So I I have, and it's literally the easiest thing in the world. I never take care of them. I never maintain them. I just pull from the cultures when I want to feed, either dumping a bunch of the apple cider through like a coffee filter paper and then rinsing it out and dumping whatever tiny little microscopic worms that I've caught into my tanks. Or using a method where you actually use like a wine bottle or a beer bottle. Um, it's kind of hard to explain that one, but it's a way where you fill the neck of the container with clean, fresh, normal water, and then you have a little plug like a cotton ball down at the bottom of the neck And then from there down, you have regular apple cider vinegar with all of the eels in it. And the eels will slowly swim their way up through the cotton into the fresh water. You can just siphon it out and put it straight into your tanks.
2: Does a brine shrimp net work as
0: well?
3: Nope. They are way too small for a brine shrimp net. Um, These guys are definitely too tiny. You're going to need a paper filter if you want to do it that way.
0: And where do you find, I mean, where do you get a culture to get started on something? Is that something you can start naturally?
3: No, you're going to have to buy a culture online. Um, That's how I started. And I actually sell cultures on my website at simplybetter.com. And Um, and I kind of distribute those to anybody who's looking to start.
0: And so how much does a, a culture cost if somebody was interested in purchasing one from you?
3: Um, I sell my cultures for five dollars. Oh, that's cheap. Um, that's, that's what all my yeah, starter cultures nothing. go for. Yep, it's just you get this little deli container of an established culture, either vinegrees. I do microworms, too, and then sometimes I'm able to sell my grindle worm cultures or white worm cultures, but they go so fast. Um, it's hard. Those to keep are those hard to stock. find. Oh, they are. I do have those. But usually people email me about them, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. And I never get to restocking the online store. So I do have them,
0: though. Uh, are they easy to ship? And how long, I mean, can you put them in the mail for two, three days? Do you have to have uh, in normal, nice weather? Or can they ship in cooler weather?
3: Vinegar eels? Yep. Oh, they can ship in any temperature. I've never had a loss of vinegar eels shipping in the summer or in the winter. I've, I've had ones where I've been worrying because they ship out in like 90 plus degree temperatures, but everybody's been very happy with what they get.
0: So they're pretty hardy.
3: Yeah, they're very hardy. Same with my microworms. I've never had a loss from them, either in cold or in hot temperatures. Grindelworms, I would assume that either like in, in super cold temperatures, they won't do very well. Um, and then with white worms, I would assume in very hot temperatures, they wouldn't do well. But I've never had a loss with those either because I'm just careful in the way I pack them.
2: How long does it take for a culture to to grow? Like you can abuse one jar to feed your, you know, a couple batches.
3: Yeah. So at the moment, I have four or five uh, one-gallon jugs of apple cider vinegar up on top of my better rack. I'll pull and I'll pull and I'll pull. And if I ever see my pulls starting to look a little weak, I'll just move on to the next jar and then not touch that one that I uh, exhausted for a couple weeks and it'll be just fine.
0: So this is kind of a never ending supply of food for your bettas.
3: Yep. At least in the early stages when your fish are still tiny and they can still eat those little microscopic foods. Um, After probably about three days, I'll start feeding larger foods like, like micro worms mixed in with my vinegar eels, because then you have the little tiny vinegar eels at the top. You have your larger micro worms sinking to the bottom it's giving a nice range of food. And then a couple days after that I'll move on to baby brine shrimp. And then from there it's usually uh microworms and baby brine. And then once the fish get just big enough to accept small grindle worms, I'll move on to those.
0: That is a huge process of, of food that yeah. you have. But if you're not yeah. if you're not worried about running out of stuff, I could see where that would work just splendidly.
3: It works really great on a small scale. Just keep some nice healthy cultures and you'll never really be out of food.
0: And I know the one question that I always ask, how many uh, fry do you get from a spawn?
3: Oh, it varies so much. I've had anywhere from hundreds to like 20. It's hard to say. The way I do it, and maybe it's my water, maybe it's my methods, I'm not 100% sure. I've never seen those really huge 600-plus baby spawns. Um, Usually it's maybe around 100, maybe less and I'm not very sad about that, because, um, just the way I do things on such a small scale, I get easily overwhelmed by too many fish. So I'm happy to have smaller spawns where I can put more care into raising them and raising them quickly and taking care of them well than having like huge spawns because I don't really make a whole lot of like money, maybe. i'm I'm not relying on it as an income, so I can treat it more as a hobby. and i like I like that. I like having smaller spawns.
0: I like just the idea of, of the hobby paying for itself. I mean, it's nice to it be able nice. to, to, to sell a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff so you can go to Home Depot, spend a couple hundred dollars. It doesn't come out of yeah. your personal pocket. And that's what, that, I think that's what we should all strive for. And then anything extra, uh, there's so many people that go, I'm going to make you know, my living doing this. And, and you go into it all wrong. And what you're doing is just the correct way. You go in it because it's a loving uh, way that you're doing it. And the fish are treated right. And that's the way it should be. Hobby first, yeah, business I like later. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Because you have to, if you're not happy with what you're doing, if you're overworking yourself, it's not going to be fun anymore. Right. And,
0: you know, if you're trying to raise, I mean, there's people that I know who are trying to raise thousands of bettas, unless you've got seven kids that have been bad that week, who's going to do all the water changes?
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I've been in those points where I'm just working myself to the bone because I have too many fish. And I don't like it. It stresses me out. I have a family to take care of on top of all of this. I, I do a lot, so I can't. I can't have too much because I start to go crazy.
0: And that makes your husband probably not happy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Stressed out wife and in miserable life. Right.
0: Right. So we, yeah. we ask this question to every single person we have on there. So do you have a, a good support system, or are you kind of all alone in this? I mean, most people, we find out that, that uh, like, we just had the pawn guy on, and he says, you know, I've got two kids who've got no interest in this whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, uh, my wife, um, Jen, is very supportive. She comes and helps me all the time, and that is wonderful. Uh, my first wife could care less, and so that puts even more pressure on, on, on a person when you're cupping bettas or you're doing water changes and stuff. Uh, Right. Is your husband supportive of this or is he just doesn't really care and just think you're crazy?
3: He is supportive as my own hobby, but I do everything on my own. Like when it comes to workload, everything that I do, I do on my own. And it's not because I, I have to, like I probably could ask for help, but I don't want to. I hate asking for help, especially because our tiny little little tiny precious lovely smudge of free time that we get every day with no kids i want him to be doing the things that make him happy and not having to worry about the things that make me happy you know that feeling um i i just i do everything on my own mostly just because i I don't like to ask for help it's your time of zen it is. It's my Zen time, and then he can go have his Zen time doing whatever it is he do.
0: Yeah, I was watching your video when you made your bed rack, and my question is, do you have a better set of tools than he does?
3: Oh, yeah, I do. I'm the one with the tools in the family. I do the garage work. I'm the handyman, woman, handy lady uh, of the house. And you... that's fine. Fine by me. I like that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, my daughter-in-law, who's... In her late 20s and stuff, I asked her what she wanted. I said, what do you want for your for your birthday, Allie? And she goes, I really want a drill. I go, what? <laughs> and I tell you what, it was two days later, and my wife had ordered her this most beautiful pink drill, cordless drill, Ooh. and, and uh, tool toolkit and whatnot, and and we got a picture of her. Uh, she has a holster for it. It's kind of cool. Jimmy, I, I want a drill. You're not getting nothing. Oh,
2: man. <laughs> Can you explain jumbo betas to our audience and then your impressions of them and how they're different from normal betas?
3: Jumbos, as in giants. Correct. Oh, I love giants. Giants are the coolest. According to the official show standards, a giant fish is like, it's a fish that's over 2.5 inches or was it 6 centimeters? I probably have that all wrong because I'm not looking at the standard. So according to show sizes, we're talking about a very large, selectively bred fish. And they're so cool. They're stunning. They're stunningly big. You've never seen a beta in a pet store that's as big as, like, the biggest. Am I rambling? Do I make sense? No, no big. it makes
2: Total sense on this podcast. <laughs> when we see them, they're about the size of a full-grown, you know, a rainbow shark or a full-grown rainbow <laughs> fish. Or, excuse me, a we rose so, line shark. Excuse
0: I was going to say a rainbow
3: fish I was gonna. Gets, I was gonna say I'm rainbow. looking at my inches. fish when I'm
2: saying this. Oh, you are like a dork. Like a ball
3: of shark. Yeah. You're a dork.
2: Writer. Yeah, like a nice size ball of shark. <laughs> Which gets six then, inches.
3: then the giant fish that you might find, like, in the pet store or in Petco, I think they have them advertised as super... No, king's. They're they're big, but they're definitely not like as giant as what's actually considered a giant in like the show standards. So
0: is it a different is it a different type? I mean, is it actually another you know slash something different? Like a, spe- like a, a species. Species. species? There we
3: go. There we go. Yeah. yeah, it is betta splendens. It's just a se- selectively bred lines of larger and larger fish.
0: Kind of like Rob.
3: But they're betta splendens. They're domestic fish. <laughs> they can. <laughs> They can cross, you you can cross them to regular sized fish. You can get half giants and then selectively breed your own giant strains if you were into that.
0: And what's the retail price of the giants? I'm assuming they got to be a lot more.
3: No, it depends. You generally never see them for sale Uh, at the sizes that, that I look for them as at in the U S if I were to import one, um, I would happily pay like maybe 50 to to $100 for a nice breeder male. Probably you know, a little bit less than that for a nice breeder female, of course. It depends, like, what size are you looking at? What quality are you looking at?
2: Last time I saw one in stock. Uh, Adam, what's the, your friend Paul's fish store in St. Paul, Minnesota? Oh, that's right. He had a pair. Oh, Tame Waters. Yes, we were at Tame Waters visiting with you actually, and he had a massive pair that he was selling for I think 175
0: for the pair for the pair, and they yeah, were that's... gorgeous. That was the first yeah. time in my 30 some years. That's the first time I've ever seen an actual pair other than in pair, you know, in pictures. And I, and... I'm sitting there feeling for my credit card, going. Huh? <laughs>
3: And I think that's a really fair price, especially considering that you can't find them anywhere in the States. They're hard to find. They're hard to import. It's a pain in the butt if you wanted to directly get one from a breeder overseas. And it's risky because you might lose the fish. And there's so many uh, variables that I think that would be a really fair price for a nice pair.
0: Absolutely. So have you ever bred them? Have you done it yet? Breed the giants?
3: I have. I've tried many times to breed giants. They're definitely more finicky than regulars. I don't know why. Maybe I have bad luck. I, ha- I had an entire video on my curse with bad luck when it comes to trying to breed giants. But it's a well known thing that they're they're more difficult. They're more prone to egg eating. I've only had success one time, and I'm actually raising a couple fish that came out of that spawn right now.
0: So there you go. I don't-
3: Though, because I had a problem with fungus in that particular batch.
0: Yeah, it's never ending the amount of problems that, that you can come up with when it, raising Absolutely. fish. Exactly.
3: Especially when you have a pair that you love, right? And that you really want to work with and you're so enthusiastic for. Of course, it's not going to work out. Of course, you're going to find every single problem that you could possibly find.
0: Yep. No, that's just the fish gods. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: You know, my, my our buddy Ty will say this over and over. He goes, "I never say that's my favorite fish anymore because the next day it's dead." And and he says to this day, he's got three boys. He goes, "I don't have a favorite son.
4: I don't either. I don't have a favorite kid either."
0: <laughs> oh, because I mean, it, it is the curse of the gods. I mean, if you get something. In and that's your favorite fish uh, tomorrow, for some reason, a car drove through your through your house and, and hit your tank. I mean, it never ends when it's your favorite fish.
2: So that's what you got to do is sense. you got you got to prank your friends. When they're showing you your fish tank and something, you got to just stop, and they'll be like, that's my favorite fish, and they're just like,
3: whoa, whoa, that's too much. We <laughs> yeah, stop that all that the time. To
2: Sean. Yeah,
0: do that to Sean, too.
3: <laughs> so I have a small import coming in tonight, actually. I'm waiting for the UPS man to bring me my little box of fish. Two of my favorite fish in the whole wide world. What are you getting? Are on that shipment. And knowing my luck, they're probably both going to come in deceased. So what I'm looking forward to in this particular batch is a pair, a sibling pair of what's called a Tancho Koi, which it's just it's really neat. It's a clean bodied fish, so no coloration on it except for a single red dot right above the head, just like in a Tancho Koi.
2: What? Um, Really hard beta. to get. Beta.
3: Yeah, it's a beta. It's a beta with kind of that coloring, that colorless body with a red dot on the head. They're really hard to find. They're hard to come by. They don't necessarily breed true, but it's just this little dream project I have is to get us to work on a line that's just working towards having this, this one red dot on the head.
0: So are these a import, or did you get some... Uh,
3: these are. These are imports. I logged onto Facebook just one day on random, and a contact of mine had just posted a picture of this pair that they had in one of their spawns, and I claimed it.
0: So, it wish me luck, guys. Good luck.
3: Thank it's, you. Know, you. It's not your I fa- hate them. They're it- the worst pair. I hate them. Add a girl. They're not my favorites. There, yep.
0: she's got it. She's got it. They're going to be have great. No
3: love for these fish.
0: Yep, bounce the box off the off the uh, floor when you get them, and <laughs> exactly, uh, and ignore them for two weeks, and they'll grow healthy and be great. Well, I think you just it, spoiled it for us. But what is you know some uh, a hint of
2: some upcoming content or project that you're working on besides these Koi?
3: Besides just trying to breed some really cool things and get some nice footage for a how to breed series. I'm actually working on some planted tanks right now. I, in the past, I've done fantasy planted tanks, like I did one called The Hobbit Tank, where it was a planted tank where I handmade all my own decorations and my own scape, and I had Bilbo's house bag end, and it looked really cool. I sculpted this. I painted it. I sealed it. I made it. It was awesome. I'd recommend to go check that out because I was really proud of it. But I have another one coming up. It's a Skyrim-themed tank for any Oblivion fans out there. I'm sculpting it right now. It's still in the works. Also, I'll have that coming up shortly.
2: I have an Aquarium Guys podcast request. This is coming from some of our listeners that have messaged me about this. So since we're podcast, we don't do a lot of visuals, right? We're going to be doing some YouTube live streams, but that's just to interact with their audience. We're podcast exclusive. So live through me. Can you do a Breaking Bad theme tank where you get like (laughs) blue gravel, you have Jesse in a little pans of meth? That would be super
3: absolutely are you kidding me
2: so fun fact they still they actually have the action figures that you can put in your tank you just got to make sure they're not gonna be toxic for your fish Oh my yes.
0: god. Where, where do you come up with this crap,
3: You can have yeah. see clear
2: see-through glass. She's already doing themes. You
0: can
3: concept uh, that out and have the coolest Breaking Bad tank full of meth, just for you.
2: That Hobbit tank, by the way? <laughs> Wait, excellent. actual meth or fake meth? No, no, no. Either. Crystal We can't afford <laughs> real gravel. <laughs> <laughs> you can go on oh, Amazon.com and purchase
0: blue crystal gravel for your aquarium for a relatively cheap price. I think they call that clown puke, don't they?
2: No, no, that's mixed colors.
0: Oh, that's mixed colors. I'm sorry.
2: Well, I appreciate the sneak preview. And for the listeners, again, go to YouTube, type in Simply Beta. You'll find a fantastic YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, as you should. There's a lot of great content. And go back in the history. There's a ton of them. You even have some that not necessarily about betas. I love your hard water stains, you know, tricks. Oh, thanks. Go check them out and simplybeta.com to get in line for some of your handcrafted bread betas and products like vinegar eels.
3: Thank you. I really hope to have some fish available soon. I'm growing out some spawns, and I hope they're beautiful, and I hope that I'll have some to sell on my website soon. So before we, we wrap it up, I wanted to bring up, I heard this at the very, very beginning, I wanted to bring up glow betas. Please. What are your opinions on those?
2: I mean, garbage, our opinions, (laughs) besides Adam being extremely, uh, you know, vocal, he's he's racist. It's it's a bound to happen. The glow um, trend that was, you know, invented in the laboratory crossing, you know, a lot of jellyfish or other uh, creatures for to create certain colors. It's not directly harmful to the fish. It's not like the tattooing or dipping that we see from a lot of other fish torture. I mean, we see, you know, mollies that you can order. That are tattooed with a, with a laser and or injected. That's another one where...
0: Yeah, I don't like those either.
2: There's a lot of harm that they put to fish to add yeah. color.
0: Painted glass fish, the, the regular glass fish that are painted with two colors with right. iridescent paint.
2: Not necessary. So we're, we're happy to see something that's not hurting the fish. And again, this was made in the lab, so it's not natural. But neither are flower horns. You know, flower horns are a fun, very interactive uh, fish that I think uh, has really benefited the aquarium hobby. But... It's it's not our favorite. You yeah. know, I'm not going to pre- right. you know, probably go out and buy a, a bunch of these. I just I just it's to get kids
4: I'm not into it. Buy any of them at twenty some thirty some dollars? Yeah. Jeez. Well, I
0: just I was <laughs> just at our local uh, big box store. I saw the prices. Uh, I believe the females were ten dollars. Uh, they didn't have any, but they had the prices up on the shelf already. Um, Nineteen ninety nine for a, a male Globetta and a premium Globetta was uh, thirty dollars. And I took pictures.
3: That's a premium one.
0: I, I don't know. Something
4: they got more fins. I'm thinking it's supposed oh, to be a little bit,
0: a little bit it's brighter, more I'm color, gonna... more fins, and they'll have uh, randomly yeah. supposedly crown tails and whatever else uh, coming. I'm not sure. I I've been dealing with with a company um, that uh, Seagrass Farms was on the the front of it with uh, 5D and starting these glow fish, and I know for a fact that that uh, they are getting a lot of negative feedback. About, about the glow betas.
2: Uh, Probably the most negative feedback I've seen they, about betas since, uh, you
0: know,
1: really? the paper yeah.
0: towel issue. The, um, <laughs> they are getting a lot of negative feedback because people are going, betas are so beautiful already, why are we doing this? And she said, you know, we, we got a lot of, uh, my salesperson said, we got a lot of negative feedback about glow tetras, glow danios. Now they're doing glow barbs five or, times that for betas. Yes, and she goes, "It's it's wow. just and so anyway, I I know for a fact uh, I did talk to Secrets Farms here just recently, and they said they don't even have them right now. And uh, uh, the Petco's and uh, was it Petco I think it was that had an exclusive on it for eight to ten weeks, and uh, Secrets Farms said they're they're not even sure if they're going to be bringing them in.
3: Really, right. I did not know that.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't carry them in my store if I still had my shop.
0: Yeah, you know, here's what you see: if it, when you've got somebody down the street selling them, it almost forces you into bringing them. Also, uh, I, our, our, one of my favorite friends down in, in West Fargo, they hated any of the glow tetras when they first came out; and they wouldn't carry them. And after two or three years of people asking, uh, they finally brought them in, and they sell a bunch of them. But they're interesting. They're, you know, their whole philosophy is just like Rob's, you know, it's not hurting the fish. Too
2: many times we see that, you know, fruity tetras, they're just dipped in acid. They're literally burnt to have a,
0: a coloring. Yeah, they're,
2: they're just a white skirt tetra.
0: White skirt tetras, but yeah, they're actually put in dyed water. Yeah. dyed water, and it absorbs into the body tissue. Yep, dipped. Yep. Wow. We'll see frogs
2: doing that. They sell fruity, uh, fruity cod uh, frogs. Uh, yep. they're, they're dipped.
0: Yeah. The albino it's... clod frogs, and, I, and I, I tell you what, I sell a ton of them. I sell a ton of albino clawed frogs, and and I don't like them, but I tell you what, I quit crang- carrying them for a little while, and I got so much feedback and so much hassle, I just started carrying them again.
2: I think mm-hmm. the worst thing that I've ever seen is probably stingrays being cut to have patterns on their, their fins.
4: Ooh,
3: I have never heard oh, of that Oh, the either.
2: bat-winged ones? Yes. There's bat wing. there's designer patterns is what they call them.
0: It's humane. They're, ma- They're it's maiming inhumane. the animals to try to make wow. them look cool.
3: Well, I had no idea about the, the huge backlash against the glow betas. My personal opinion on them is that I think they're kind of cute in their own strange little way. It's like this little alien fish. Um, and I feel like the negative that I see is that they're going to bring in a lot of just new people, young kids, into maybe being interested in fish. Uh, young kids and, and new people who aren't really going to know how to take care of them well.
0: Right. You know, And
3: that's, that's what I see. But so many people hate them just because they look different. They're tinkered with, which I I think they're kind of silly and cute, even though uh, as a breeder, I knew I could never play with the genetics or work with it because I'd get sued.
0: Right. And there's so many people out there. I mean, glowfish are trademark fish. They're the only trademarked fish in the world. Uh, every time we get them in, we get a, a little uh, sticker, a, not a little sticker, a big uh, six by eight inch sticker on the bag saying these are trademarked. And for those people who've had Glow Daniels, uh, the red Glow Daniels pretty much breed true for the most part. And the calls you'll get will be basically yellow zebra. After Daniels.
2: after a line though, like if right. you breed any of these glow uh, glowfish, beta or not, after you know the third or fourth batch, they're going to lose their color. Right. You're not going to keep a true line over and over again. It's, it doesn't even pay to try to uh, breed them. Besides the entire patent right. issue, but
3: was that done on purpose? No, that's
2: just no, it's the
0: way how way it it's done. Oh, okay. But the basement breeders that, that uh, went out there and, and, I mean, Zebra Daniels are very easy to breed. So within six months, there's a lot of basement breeders and they were on the different forms selling and stuff. And they were, they were served with and assist from these, these companies that spent millions, millions of dollars getting these fish going in florida and so i've been on the farm where they where they raise them and stuff and uh i saw glow fish probably three years before they came out into the market so yeah
2: if you want to see something you can google you know other glowfish, and you'll see angel
0: fish glow angels
2: you'll see uh, all the other shark lines that have not been introduced to the market you'll see a lot of different other fish cichlids african cichlids now you'll see as glowfish. oh really so you gosh. won't see them for sale because they have not uh, brought them for USDA and they haven't brought them overseas. But you'll see pictures of them online of how they've done this. They just haven't brought them in yet, and uh, it, it's, it's capably done. The next part that you're going to see is you're going to see modified fish in salt water. It's only a matter of time.
0: Yeah, and it, and it, it is very yeah. expensive. And I, I've it's been explained to me several times, but every color of every species has to have its own separate paperwork and payment and approval by the U.S. government. So. When they raise uh, Zebra Daniels, uh, uh, the glowfish, you know, there's green, there's purple, uh, there's red, there's pink. Each one is considered a, its own entire, I don't want to say species, but its own identity. It has its own UPC. It, yep, exactly. And, uh, and so they're
3: that's... not tattooed on. That's, not, no. That's,
0: and that's why they're expensive, because there's a lot of red tape, a lot of uh, uh, research, a lot of stuff done on that. So it's just incredibly, uh, it's here to stay. I'm afraid to say, like it or love it, we could, uh, you know what, when we do, we've had so many people bring it up, we should do a thing about on all these fish, Amazonas Magazine just did an article uh, two or three episodes back about all these modified fish, and we should have Taylor on with us, and we should get a a few, we should get five or six people on to talk about this, because people just get worked up
3: yeah and I would probably be on the side where I'm kind of indifferent about it because at the end of the day it's it's just it's a fish right, and I Same. think that it can make a cute little pet um as for you know incorporating it into lines of natural fish, I would probably not do that, but my opinion is that they're kind of cute. I would probably get one and probably make a video like how to take care of your glow beta just to get that info out there to new people
4: right don't put it with the rest of the glowfish because they'll destroy its fins
3: yeah yeah exactly just really basic stuff i feel like that education needs to be out there
0: you know and i totally agree with you taylor too about bringing young people into the hobby And as much as everybody was pretty excited that the Walmarts of the world uh, quit carrying fish, on the other hand, uh, I'm going, you know, this is where a lot of these kids are being introduced to fish. And now it's not there. I mean, when my kids were young, they always wanted to go back and look at the fish um, until I started carrying fish myself. But, you know, that's where a lot of people get introduced. And and a lot of people aren't going to these uh, pet stores just to look at fish. I mean, normally there are dog food people and and whatnot. So I feel kind of bad that these kids aren't inter- being introduced to these big box stores that carry fish. But we know that the care there was was fairly poor.
3: Right.
2: Well, sorry for uh, letting out that last question for
0: you, Taylor.
3: <laughs> That's okay. I just I wanted to uh bring it up because I knew you guys would have a lot to say about it, and I thought it was interesting.
0: Jimmy kept that in for so long. I did. I've been shaking. <laughs> you know. I, I've had so many conversations with uh, with Segrist Farms about this and stuff, and and they go, "This is just ginormous, uh, the amount of feedback that we're getting, and we don't even carry them at this point." So um, I said, and I asked her just recently, like within the last couple of days, I said, "Have you got a lot of a lot of uh, people asking about them?" She goes, "No, not really." Hmm. So we'll see what happens.
2: Everything in
3: time we'll see what happens
0: yep well again simplybeta.com. dot com go to youtube find uh
2: simply beta channel and sub- like and subscribe and Taylor thanks uh so much for being on the show with us and uh of
3: course i'm I'm absolutely happy to share my my kind of bizarre little passion of mine is these adorable little fish um i I really think that they're amazing pets and that they're so common people kind of scoff at them but I think that they have so much personality in these tiny little bodies and I think they're the coolest, especially when it comes down to the genetics aspect, which is one thing I'm really interested in that I didn't really go into, um, and nerd out with in this, in this episode. Um, but I think they're so fascinating and that, um, everybody should give them a chance
2: and make sure that you get one over six months. So they're not going to change sex on you.
3: Yeah. Unless you (laughs) want a surprise.
2: Plus, you want a surprise. Oh, let's want a surprise. Want
3: a surprise.
2: <laughs> well, th- thanks so much, and and Adam, you got any more questions? Well, I have questions about Toke
4: geckos, but that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: I love Toke geckos. All the animals I love are mean and aggressive, like chihuahuas, betas, tokay geckos. I don't know what it is.
4: Have you ever seen that? Um, have you ever seen the new the ones that once they get tokay geckos once they get captive bred for a little bit, they actually tame down really nice.
3: Yeah, they can tame down really nice. Um, I have mine jumping on my hands when I feed them. Are um, they CB a or, w-
4: or wild caught?
3: They are, mine are captive bred. Okay. Um, but they're still, yeah, you still got to watch out for the captive bred ones, especially my big footlong male. Um, but he's jumping on my hand. I have never tried to grab him or anything, but there's just this little satisfaction in having this nasty little animal. be a... Beta or a tokei or a chihuahua, and have it just be this little little buddy. So
0: when he jumps on your hand, is it because your thumb is in his I'm mouth? Feeding
3: no, I'm, I'm feeding him. No, because <laughs> I'm feeding
0: him. Okay, I'm I just keep... checking.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I still have all my fingers as of yet.
0: They are mean little things. They have good jaw pressure too.
3: Very good.
0: That's it.
2: We're just going to awesome. have to have a rep- reptile episode for Adam, just so we can get it out <laughs> of his <the> system. <laughs> well, thanks, Taylor, and uh, let's kick that podcast outro.
4: Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, guys, for listening to this podcast. Please visit us at aquariumguyspodcast.com and listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're
2: practically everywhere. We're on Google. I mean, just go to your favorite place, Pocket Casts. Subscribe make sure it gets push notifications directly to your phone. Otherwise, Jim will be crying in his sleep. Can, can I listen to it in the in my treehouse? In your treehouse, in your fish room, even alone at work. What about my man cave? Especially your man cave. Yeah. Only if Adam's there. No. With feeder guppies. No. No.
0: They're endless. You magic <laughs> loving <laughs> sucking motherfucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> Later.